0: Amazing Grace Kona welcome you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, if you grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 1 says, Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest of law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? And how much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who have no account in the church? I say this to your shame, that it is so that there is not amongst you one wise man who's able to judge or decide between his brethren. Don't you got anybody there with some wisdom upstairs? Okay, look, did Paul pastor this church for a year and a half? Yeah. Does he know that they got guys there that could handle this? Sure. But this kind of teaching when you're a teacher is what we call reminding. It's more like pointing out the obvious, but it has to be done. Don't you guys got anybody that could decide that's got a little wisdom that they don't have to be spending the money on lawyers and going to the world court over this silly stuff? One brother suing another brother. Can't you guys do what's right? Can't you get somebody there with wisdom? Verse six, but brother goes to the law with brother. And that before the unbelievers. Listen to verse seven. You might want to highlight this. It is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged or why not be defrauded? Just let it go. It's not a win because you took your brother to court and you beat him. Do people in churches like to hear this kind of stuff, to suffer the wrong when they're wrong? Did the Lord Jesus ever suffer any wrongs against him? Oh no, they treat him perfect, right? Never pounded that crown of thorn in his head for no reason or beat him with the stripes and flogged him. What did he do wrong? Nothing. The Lord Jesus is our example. We don't suffer wrong very well in our society. We're like, we'll get them back. Oh, they did me wrong. I'm going to sue them. Paul says, if you do that, it's already a defeat. It's no wind. No wonder that non Christians don't want to sign up for the Christian club. They're like, why should I? Those guys are just as bad. They sue each other. I mean, if they would see us behave in a Christ like manner, I call it taking the higher road. We would walk the higher road. They'd be going, you know, I'd rather be in their club. They don't sue one another over petty stuff. They work it out. They go to find someone with wisdom and ask them, hey, what's the right thing to do? And they actually do it. What a sweet thing that would be if we were known for always being the ones that took the higher road. But on the contrary, Paul says, verse 8, you guys, you yourselves wrong and defraud, and you do this even to your brethren. How would you like to have this written about your church in the Bible? Your church goes down in history as the ones that had the wrongers, that wronged and defrauded each other in the church. We don't want to admit that churches have problems. Guys, in the Holy Bible, here's a church that's got problems. he has got real problems. They are wronging each other and defrauding each other. They are suing each other in the world court, and they're not even taking it to the saints. This is interesting to me because... I didn't know this. Did you guys know it says here, don't you guys know that you will even judge angels? I never knew that. We get to judge angels. What angels am I going to judge? My poor guardian angel is going to have a flat spot right here from going, ay, ay, ay. Oh, he's doing that stuff. I don't think I'll judge him. Now, I do know, remember when Lucifer rebelled against the Lord and said, I'm going to beat you at your own game. I'm going to be God. How many of the angels of heaven rebelled with Lucifer? A third. And you know what's interesting to me here in Hawaii, in Hawaiian culture, there's a great sensitivity to the fact that these dark figures, these dark presence, these silent night walkers or shadows They're like, there's these dark spirits that walk our land. I don't know if you really believe in that. I said, well, before I was a Christian, I hung out with these guys who were called Satanists. They all had their own little extra power source. And they called them their friends. I say that real loosely, that lived inside them. And they were demons. But a demon is technically a fallen angel. It's one of the third that fell from heaven heaven. They were cast out to the earth. Yeah, they're down here walking around. Now, where are they headed in the eternal scope? We already know where they're going. Even further. But just to let you know that the demons do know where they're going to go. You remember when Jesus showed up and there was a man that had a legion, a thousand demons. He was in the graves. He was cutting himself and harming himself and not in his right mind. And Jesus came and... He comes to that side of the gatherings on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. There's a steep cliff and he sees the man and the demons cry. What do we have to do with you? The demons are talking to Jesus. "O oh, son of the most high. They knew who was standing in front of them. Have you come to cast us into the pit before our time? Do they know that there's an appointed time coming that they're going to be cast into the pit? Oh, yeah. The one thing they were worried about when Jesus, the son of man, showed up, the son of God, they went, Uh uh-oh, are we getting chucked into the pit now? And they entreated Jesus, can we instead, can we go to those pigs? Jesus said, all right, go ahead. Now, some people think this is a bad story because the pigs, they don't make it the demons go in the pigs, the pigs rush off the steep cliff and they drown in the sea. Don't worry. Okay, just so you know, the land of the Gadarenes right there, that part, that was supposed to be settled by one of the tribes of Israel. Are Jews allowed to eat pork? What were they doing raising pigs? They weren't supposed to be. Back then, you didn't cook the pork, what did you get? We call it trichinosis. I don't know that they knew the name, but you got really sick. And they weren't even supposed to be eating that. They weren't supposed to be raising them. Jesus just basically cleaned out a problem that they were doing big no-no. And then the man was sitting there in his right mind. Whole. Jesus had freed him from these demons. My own daughter said, Dad, sometimes I feel like there's like dark creatures that come around my window. Try to bug me on Saturday night. Said, said, well, they are there, but just to comfort you, um, there's a ratio between the good angels and the fallen angels. And by the way, you'll want to be on the good side for this one. You know why? Because only one third fell, that left two thirds in heaven. The odds are in our favor. But this verse really sticks out to me because coming from hanging out with possessed guys that had fallen angels in them, they let them voluntarily come in their bodies and inhabit them. And those fallen angels deceived, did all sorts of trickery and deceit, promised them great powers. And by the way, they never did anything good for them. They never did anything good for those folks that they inhabited. They tormented them. But I never noticed this. It says right here, Paul. Now, Paul is pretty learned in the scripture way more than I am. He was called a Pharisee of Pharisees. Studied under Gamaliel, one of the top rabbis of the day. He was so learned in the word. And he says, do you guys not know that someday you will judge angels? Is he talking about the good angels? Or do you think the fallen ones? I'm pretty sure it's the fallen ones. I was thinking, really? We get to judge them. Man, I got some of them that caused me a lot of trouble. Any of you ever felt like there's demons giving you a little hassle? Oh, yeah. You ever thought how good it would be that you get to judge them someday? Like you, Crumb. You little creepy shadow that gave me bad night's dreams and messed with my sleep and messed with my family. You know, someday we get to judge them. How many of you read past this verse before? You never noticed it's in there. Do you see that there? I'm, I'm not making this up. Paul is telling them, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, do you not know that we will judge angels? But I did catch on to the part we're not supposed to sue one another. It's a disgrace. Paul said, just be defrauded. It'd be better. Take the high road. You're just going to get drugged down. Does anyone really win when they do this whole suing thing? Just the attorney, not the people involved. It just tears them down to nothing. It's so sick what these lawsuits can do to people. I tell you, we would be better to just be defrauded and move on. The pain is less, if you can receive it, than when you get that bill from the lawyers. Now, verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous don't get to inherit God's kingdom. In Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, we saw sin entered the world through one man, through Adam's sin. But the whole world was made righteous through Jesus, the second Adam. He's called the second Adam, Jesus, came and took away our sin. He made us righteous. Now, I want to read you something that this verse speaks volume. verses 9 to 11. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. You know, there's another verse that says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, now he's going to reap. Paul tells the church at Corinth, don't be deceived. He says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexual, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. That pretty much covers the whole church at Corinth. Shall inherit the kingdom of God. And listen to verse 11. And such were some of you. Could Paul say this from firsthand experience since he founded the church there? Sure. You guys got to know the context. He was the founding pastor. He's allowed to say such were some of them. He knew some of them were adulterers. Some of them were fornicators. I know some of you guys were doing that. But listen to the rest of the verse. Verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6.11, Such were some of you, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of our God. These three things, you were washed. Remember in 1 John 1 9 If we confess our sins, God is faithful and He's just to forgive us. And one other thing He does besides forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You talk about cleaning, deep cleaning, spiritual deep clean. How many of you have confessed to the Lord your sins and said, Lord, forgive me? When you do that, He says, You're forgiven. But you're not only forgiven. You are washed. You are cleansed with the best cleanser there is. The blood of our Lord. He remembers all of him. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That blood washes us clean. Paul says to them, you guys were the sinners. You were the sinner club. But now, you're the washed sinners. You've been washed of that sin. Cleansed. Not only have you been cleansed, there's two other things he said that happens to you. You were sanctified and you were justified. Just for a quick, for helping the young ones, I tell them this, if they don't know what justification means justified is just as if I'd never sinned when Jesus takes you from that place where you were a fornicator you were a swindler you were a bad person and he justifies you he makes you just in the sight of God he makes you right he makes you just as if you've never sinned that's the only thing that will make you right with God is the work of Christ. It's not our work. By the way, we don't justify ourselves. You try to justify yourself, good luck. It doesn't work. Paul says, but, this is one of the best buts in the whole Bible, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. You may just as if you never sinned. How many likes this idea that even though we were those things, Look what Christ did for us. He made it so that's not how we are now. Why did this letter get included in the Holy Scripture? Could this apply to any churches today? Got a few problems. Few folks that are suing each other. Few folks are living immorally in the church. Yeah. And we forget. That's how we were. But now, Christ has worked in us. And he's made us to be new vessels, new creatures, the Bible says. The old things have passed away. And behold, he makes all things new. One of the coolest things about being truly a believer in the Lord is that the Lord says, let me wash away that past. Let me free you. Because so many people are stuck. They're paralyzed. They can't move forward because of their past. They're like, Pastor, you just don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand where I'm coming from. I'm like, dude, you don't understand where I came from. If God could free me from where I was, you're nothing, man. You got it made. You got like a couple threads tying you down. I had chains, steel fetters, like major bondages. And God said, let me break those. Let me set you free. And if he can set me free, the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Christ came to set us free. But we need to let people know that this is available. And we need to be real and not say, well, we never had any of those problems. It says right here in the book, Paul says, some of you were those very ones that did those things. You know, we might get to heaven someday and meet some guys from the church at Corinth. And you might be thinking, Oh right, man, I'm gonna meet one of the guys they wrote about it in the Bible and then you go up and find out he's the dude that was the immoral dude. That they put out of the church. Are you gonna go, ooh, get away? Cooties? He says some of you were adulterers or some were fornicators. You meet one of the yeah, I was the fornicator. I could just see it. We get to heaven there. I was was past tense, but now I'm washed. Now I'm sanctified. Now I'm justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Made new, clean. See, if we don't stick to the message of the gospel, that Christ can take us from whatever background we were in, whatever sin we were in, and that's what we were, but now we're new creatures. Now we've been placed in a world just like this little church was placed in Corinth. They were a light to a dark place. They're like a lifeboat in a tumultuous dark sea. Now, there's no problem with being a lifeboat, a rescue boat in the storm. People are looking for a way out. The only problem, by the way, and I've said this before, is not that the lifeboat is in the water. Do you all know that Christians, we are made as... Vessels for God to use to help save others. We are like those rescue boats. And there's no problem with taking a boat and put it in the water. Just look out there. See, I I arranged for some visual aids for you. (laughs) Convenient. See that boat right there, the aggressor? There's no problem with it sitting in the water. Boats are designed to be in the water. Christians are designed to be in this world. No problem with you being in this world. What's the problem for that boat out there? What could cause any trouble for that boat? It's made to be in the water. Except if too much of the water gets into the boat. And the same goes for you as a Christian. You are made to be in this world, but you're not made to have the world be in you. You get too much of this world in you, and you're going to sink just like that boat would sink. You were designed to be in this world by God as a lifeboat to help others. They will look at you and go, look, they're floating. I'm not. Help. And you're supposed to be there throwing out the little ring. Save them. Drag them to the boat. Get them in. That's what we have as Christians that Paul is trying to tell the church at according. They forgot. They let the world get into the boat. They let the world get into their church. And they forgot. Paul that's a shame. You know, there's nothing worse than going to a church where they're like literally imitating the world. It's not appealing. We have to be the ones that are different. We're washed. We're cleaned. We're sanctified. We're justified. People should be able to say, wow, look at their boat doesn't have any water in it. Because if we really want to let them know the sweetness of walking with the Lord, is that we don't have to have that stuff weighing us down. We don't have to have that stuff pulling us. We are free from that because of what Christ did. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
1: i you